As the soldiers led him away, they seized Simon from Cyrene, who was on his way in from the country, and put the cross on him and made him carry it behind Jesus. A large number of people followed him, including women who mourned and wailed for him. Jesus turned and said to them, Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. For the time will come when you will say, Blessed are the childless women, the wombs that never bore and the breasts that never nursed. Then they will say to the mountains, Fall on us, and to the hills, cover us. For if people do these things when the tree is green, what will happen when it is dry? Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the Skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals. One on his right, the other on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. And they divided up his clothes by casting lots. The people stood watching, and the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself, if he is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you're the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, This is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God, he said, since you are under the same sentence. We are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Although only mentioned specifically by Luke in the opening verse, the cross is not only central in this part of the Good Friday narrative, it is central to the whole of Luke's gospel and to the whole Christian faith and human history. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, an innocent and righteous man who should have been honoured and enthroned as king, is instead subjected to a cruel and painful death. The type of death used as a punishment for rebellion against Rome and for condemned criminals. Jesus is nailed to a wooden cross and lifted up high for all around to see. Naked, bleeding, suffocating. There can be no more horrific way for a human being to die. And as we read this passage and we come to consider what Jesus experienced as those nails were driven, driven through his hands and feet, and he was strung up like an animal 
and left to die a slow and painful death. I think we, we are left with a mix of emotions. Firstly, I think we are left with a profound sense of grief. Jesus has suffered an unjust trial and been declared guilty. His accusers have mocked and spat at him. He has been flogged and his body is covered in blood and is a mess. Now at this point, we must remember that although fully God, Jesus is fully man. He would be physically exhausted from the brutal torture he has suffered. And he would be feeling the same agonising pain that you or I would have felt from that beating. And as we pick up the narrative, Jesus now embarks on, his, on the final leg of his journey towards the cross as he is forced to walk from Pilate's judgment hall to Calvary, which historians know would probably be a few hundred yards in the distance. But he's not only just made to walk, he is forced to carry his heavy cross on his bleeding back, a cross weighing possibly up to 300 pounds. So it's no surprise, is it, that a man is dragged from the crowd to help Jesus bear the burden. But there is one burden that Simon of Cyrene could not help Jesus with. As Jesus is not only weighed down by the cross, but the weight of the spiritual burden of the sin of all mankind that he is about to take as he faces his father's wrath on our behalf. It's at this point that Luke reminds us that the crucifixion was not a private affair, but it was there for all to witness, as he records the eyewitness accounts now, and the differing emotions that the onlookers have towards what they are seeing. First, the women who mourn and wail as they watch on as Jesus struggles towards Calvary. But even in his pain, the compassion Jesus shows here is incredible. Verse 28, daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me. Weep for yourselves and for your children. Jesus, he's not thinking of himself, but of those who are and will continue to reject him and will face the Father's judgment. Just like the rulers and the soldiers who continue to hurl insults at Jesus by claiming he should save himself if he's the Messiah, the chosen one, if he's the king. It is just so ironic that by not saving himself and allowing this pure act of evil to happen, well, Jesus is proving that all the titles that the rulers sarcastically give to him, well, they are his. Because he fulfills the prophecies that the Messiah would suffer and be numbered with the transgressors. 
the injustice and sorrow of this scene is enough to bring tears to our eyes. It's not fair. It's wrong. Jesus doesn't deserve this. And like the women, our hearts cry out in grief. And that is because deep down in our souls, we know what Jesus is facing is what we should be facing. That should be us because we have rejected God and his love for us. We are the rebels and we are the guilty. So that feeling that we have of emotional grief, mourning and sorrow, well, it's right. But as we read on, Luke introduces us now to two criminals where we see two responses to Christ. And they help us to see how that feeling of grief can be turned into feelings of adoration, praise and worship for our Saviour. Verse 39, one of the criminals who hung there hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. We can just sense the hate in these words. And it is ridiculous. This man is being stood up naked on a cross. He's being publicly shamed for his deeds. But even as he faces death, he is still proud and he's still arrogant. He has no shame and his heart is hard. But the second criminal, well, he sees Jesus differently. He sees that Jesus is from God and he rebukes the first criminal. Verse 40, don't you fear God? This man sees that he is a sinner and that he deserves God's judgment. He knows that Jesus is innocent and he sees Jesus for who he is and he cries out to Jesus for mercy. Verse 41, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Now, we don't know much about this man. But we do know that he believes in Jesus. Clearly, at some point, he has heard Jesus foretell of his death and his resurrection. He has heard Jesus proclaim salvation and forgiveness of sins and eternal life for those that would trust in him. And now, as he sees Jesus pinned to the cross, his eyes and his heart are open. And he believes. So from his deepest place of shame and despair, he cries out to Jesus, remember me. And Jesus replies with the most amazing words. Truly, I tell you, today you will be with me in paradise. Amazing. Jesus says, today. Not after you've cleaned up your act, not after you've shown the fruits of a changed life, but today you will be with me in paradise, in the kingdom of God, and I will welcome you with open arms. 
It's truly mind-blowing that Jesus offers this man a place with him forever. And what did this man do? To hear such an amazing promise? Well, in one sense, he could do nothing. His crimes had caught up with him, and his life was over. But he turned from rebellion to repentance, trusting and putting his faith in Jesus and his promises, and he received redemption. And I ask you, what would you give to hear Jesus give that promise to you? What would you sacrifice? What would you pay? Well, the amazing message of the cross of Christ is that Jesus has done it all for you. He has paid the price, and all that believe and trust in him are saved. And when that truth comes into our hearts, it transforms us. That feeling that we had of grief and sorrow and guilt, and we are filled with a profound sense of praise. Because Jesus chose to not save himself, but to save us. He chose the cross so we could be forgiven. So because of Jesus, we no longer now have to dread God. And he is the reason that we can have hope that when we meet God on Judgment Day, we will be counted as righteous and clean, washed spotless by the blood of Jesus. But not only will we praise God now and praise Jesus, we will have a feeling of deep sense of love. We will appreciate even more his love for us in his death. And our love for him will grow as we receive that new life. And as we reflect on the truth that Jesus was willing to undergo the suffering and the pain for us, for you, and for me, well, that has to mean There is nothing, nothing that Jesus would not do for us. So surely there is nothing that we would not do for him. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us that much. Praise be to you, our Lord, our Saviour, our God.